Hey, welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Barr. I'm the host of the show, and there is no guest this week. Normally, I talk to a guest, ask them a few set questions about the end of life, about what comes after, about memories, about transformation, and we are doing none of that this week. Instead, I am just gonna, well, I'll, I'll read the tweet that, that I put out, um, requesting calls on the voicemail line. And that'll, that'll help you understand where my head's at a little bit. Okay. Here's the tweet. No guest on my afterlife podcast this week. So if you have thoughts about discouragement, motivation, process versus product, Rilke, commercialism, life not turning out like you thought, quitting or quote, don't have a plan B, as in that sentence given as advice, call the hotline, 313-MISSED-URA. Leave a voicemail and I'll respond. So we do have one voicemail. I will play that later in the show at a point I have deemed it appropriate. But first, I will talk about why I thought that list of practical synonyms was something I wanted to talk about. I'm on, I'm on my second booster today. This is the day after I got my second booster and it is, uh, I thought it was going to be okay. It, like very light, you know, just a kind of sore arm. That's how I went to bed. That's how I woke up. And then a few hours after waking up, it was just like the whole body aches hit me. So hopefully it's just one day. That's what it's usually been for me. But, uh, yeah, man, going through second booster shot at the same time as feeling, uh, obviously hella down is, uh, it's not a good combo. So I just wanted to talk and, before I before I jump into the talking, there are ways you can support the show. I would be grateful if you did any and all of them. Um, but really, just telling someone you know who you think might like the show, that is, that's the main thing. This is an independent podcast. I'm an independent artist. We're going to talk a lot more about that in this episode. But the bottom line for me is my work doesn't exist outside of people wanting to hear it, see it, listen to it, be, be part of it. I mean, self-expression is important to me, but so is connection. And that connection would be, would be not there if there were not people to connect to. So tell people about the show support financially on patreon.com slash Dave Marr and support via algorithm by reviewing the show, especially in the iTunes app, or subscribing. Just subscribing lets me know people are there, lets me know people are excited. Um, and yeah, maybe it's uh maybe it's it's capitalist of me, but I want I want to grow. I, I, I don't need endless growth, but I, I I would like some some growth. So Thank you for, for doing any of those things that you do. The people who pledge at the $15 level on the Patreon are pigeon level patrons. They get shout outs in every episode. And those people are Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Shuba Singh, John Lee, Debo, Fred Fidewa, and Susie Carroll. Thank you all very much. So this is episode uh, 92 here. We're coming up on a hundred episodes. Let's see. When will this, I can, I can tell exactly. Okay. If that's 92, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. Wow. So the episode right after my birthday in early September will be the hundredth episode. And that's pretty close to uh, late August was when the uh, the podcast debuted in 2020. So that's two years, 
two years, a hundred episodes. That is important other than being a round number because it was the number I set for myself. I was like, okay, I want to make a podcast. To be honest, I'd wanted to for years, actually. I've made various podcasts, but this is the one that I have stuck with the longest, that has had the most life. And I apologize. I'm not, I've, I've been more aware of my, my sound. So I'm going to try not to, not to pop my, my, you know, click my top of my mouth. <laughs> but anyway, 100 episodes. I was going to put my head down and just record them. And part of the reason that it took me a while to start the podcast was because I wanted a good concept. To be honest, I wanted something that I could see making a career out of, something that would help me get some momentum going, get people talking, uh, allow me to maybe get sponsors and and make a living. And before worrying about any of that, I was like, I had done this thing when I started stand-up in 2013. I told myself I was going to do 300 mics. So basically 300 performances before I looked up and worried about where I was or what was happening. And it was helpful. It was, uh, I kept a notebook. I numbered every set. Took me about 15 months. Shortly after which I went into a coma. So that, uh, yeah, if I, if I had just kept, kept going, if I just made it 500, I would have had more to live for, not gone into that coma, you know? But the hundred episodes thing, I thought of the same way. I was like, I'm just going to put my head down and work. And so we're almost there and it's time or, you know, in a couple of months, which is a long time in some ways, it's time to reevaluate and see, okay, well, what have I learned? Where do I want to go? Do I want to keep it up? Is it, is it done? To be honest, I'm recording this solo episode because booking is hard. There was a time when I was lazy with booking, when uh, I was relying a little bit more on my friends, when I was relying, you know, and and noticing that, that uh, you know, certain longtime friends, like when I was doing just that, unfortunately, that, that lowered the, the diversity quotient of the podcast, was hearing from too many voices too similar to my own. And I sort of made a promise to myself to do better in that regard. And so now when I'm, when I'm out guests, I've kind of like, you know, the people, cause I'm not just, I'm not talking to my partner on this podcast. I'm not, having a cutesy, weird little episode with the cat. I'm trying not to be navel-gazing. I'm trying to still present you with people who are doing work publicly. It doesn't have to be comedy, obviously. A lot of it's music. It can be activist work. It can be stuff that doesn't necessarily have a portfolio you can point to. But why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because... um having having tapped out the people who I could count on in a pinch to come through, you know, I'm not tending to to repeat episodes, guests, other than we on we, uh, tending not to repeat guests this early on. All that to say, I, I couldn't book anybody for this week. I, I, and, and it's not out of laziness. It's because it's fucking hard. It's because, to be honest, I'm taking what I consider big swings. Some people might look at the guest list of this podcast. Well, you know what? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to qualify or quantify that. The guests who've been on this podcast, whoever you are listening to this show, especially listening to a solo episode with just me, a comedian in Chicago, who has had some successes, 
but who, if I stopped doing anything, it would take a while for someone to check on me. And, you know, no one's asking for, I want to say your, no one's asking for your work, you know, unless you're fucking, you know, who are the people that people get freaked out over? Quentin Tarantino, the people still, are people still, you know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, TV shows. People were fucking psyched about Arrested Development coming back for so long. No one gave a shit about that last season or is it five seasons, four seasons, you know, people wanted the Simpsons movie. Simpsons movie came out and it's, no one's like, you know, what the best part of the Simpsons is, is the fucking movie. Point being, there are things that have hit the notoriety point where people are, are, are asking for them. I'm not one of those things. Most people, you know, even, even some of my heroes aren't, aren't those people. But the point being, you look at the guest list of this show and you'll feel about it how you feel about it. You'll know some people that other people have no clue of. You'll not know some people that other people, you know, have based their whole life around. I will say it reflects my taste. Either, either a, a, a close peer, friend, sort of comrade in arms, or an artist I really love or look up to, or someone that I have just been interacting with in one way or another. Anyway, those are, those are the guests. I book the guests based on that, but I'm, but I'm trying to book people. I'm trying to think big, you know, and being a one man band in that instance is, is, there are limits, you know, it takes a while for people to get back to you. Lines go dead and then pick back up six months later. An album you love and you think you're ahead of the curve, but you're not really gets reviewed on Pitchfork a couple weeks later and it blows up. And then you're, you're not at the front of the line for, for talking to those people, which is fine. But anyway, all of that to say, I'm here talking to you one-on-one right now. And to be honest, I wouldn't be releasing a solo episode if I didn't have anything to say. And it might be the same thing as I've said a million times before, both with guests in other solo episodes, but, but I, I, I have things to say. And the things to say are about feeling fucking discouraged or about the, the feeling of a second booster shot writ large. Uh, the metaphorical second booster shot hangover. Although maybe there's some, some metaphor in the fact that the thing that wipes you out so completely for this, for this day or two, it's a booster. You know, you don't think of like Fast and Furious, them hitting the NOS or like, you know, someone turning on their boosters and it like slowing them down. But that's what this booster does. This booster slows you down for a little bit. It's the long run that you're, that you're protected for. So maybe, uh, maybe there's a metaphor there to counterbalance some of the darkness I'm about to get into. And I'm in the midst of a job search because Patreon hasn't just been booming. You know, I, I, I haven't taken ads on the podcast because the podcast is not as at a point where it's really um, appealing to advertisers. No one's beaten down my door, you know, and that's fine because it means that I can do whatever I want. I don't have to feel awkward promoting someone's thing. But it it does mean that I am, you know, through various efforts, I was able to go freelance at the start of the pandemic. You know, those efforts being unemployment, help from my parents, and some teaching and, you know, cobbling together gigs. 
But each of those things were about equal. It was about a third each. I, I, I want to be really honest about, about that, uh, that breakdown. But now I'm at a point where the, the, the little gigs have kind of dried up, you know, or, or, or not, not dried up. There's, there's a gap at the moment. Uh, speaking of little gigs, people have been saying nice things to me, mostly in terms of, oh, I recognized you. I saw you on the bear, the FX show on Hulu. I'm in episode six for about 15 seconds. And then apparently referenced in episode seven, I, I haven't made it there yet, but, uh, thank you to people who've reached out and said it was cool to see me. It's cool to be on a show that people are seeing and excited about. So I'm grateful for that. That said, just cause someone's on TV, that, that check is, uh, that check was gone very quickly. And so the podcast hasn't turned out like I maybe thought it would. It has been an amazing connector for me. It's been a way for me to meet people I never would have met before, have conversations very quickly with people who have very cool thoughts about the kinds of things I want to have conversations about, but it's not a fucking cash cow, you know, surprise, surprise. The, uh, the podcast where every episode should come with a content warning is not a, it's not a runaway commercial hit. And the thing that I've been thinking a lot about recently is this thing that I mentioned in that tweet up top. Um, it's, it's advice. I thought about citing it, about going back and finding just a handful of the people who've said it. But this advice, it's so omnipresent uh, that there are too many people to name. Even one of my personal heroes, Chris Gethard, who has been a guest on the podcast, uh, he has said it in various ways. And, and it's don't have a plan B. You know, people are asking like, oh, how do you get into X or Y creative thing? Oh, don't have a plan B. Because if you have a plan B, you'll fall back on the plan B. And just too many people to count have said that. It's a, you hear it in podcasts, interviews about creativity, um, you know, and it's just, I hate it. I hate this don't have a plan B thing. Because it's like, how, Sway? How? I got insulin to pay for. Where, where's, where's plan A? I'm running on fumes. And, and, and I think the easy thing would be to say that people who say that are all well off. They're all funded by a trust fund or, or rich families or whatever. And I'm sure a lot of that is true, but I know there are people who aren't from, from that background who say this. And it might be a point at which like you choose to, to go all in. And maybe before that point, you've been accumulating connections and, and, and goodwill that you have a sort of momentum, but that's not, that's not good enough for me because I spent a lot of my life having nine to five jobs that I hated, that I got fired from nine months in because I, because I just hated it because I was begging. I was just aggressively not doing my work, but I did it because I needed insurance so I could buy fucking insulin. Insulin is like the number one thing people compare medication to. People are like, well, if you're, you know, if you're depressed, you don't, you can't stop taking your meds. A diabetic wouldn't stop taking his insulin. 
And it's like, okay, yeah, fine. It, it, it just, it just is, I get annoyed being, I have both those things. I'm depressed and I have insulin. So give me a, give me a third, uh, I need insulin. So, you know, give me a third metaphor. Or, or at in, in improv shows back in the day at the old IO hosts would be like, our servers need to pay for their insulin. And it was like, <laughs> but the point was like, oh, they have vital things they need to pay for. But it became this weird little joke. And, and I didn't fuck with that because I, I took these jobs that I disdained to, to stay afloat. And I, I said that I started freelance in, at the beginning of the quarantine. That's not true. I started just focusing on comedy then. And to be fair, by that, I mean, in the time when I wasn't focused on depression, TV, figuring out how to take a shower, that kind of thing. Um, but before that, I had been been freelancing, and I was able to to get my medical stuff taken care of because of the government health care. But it just in the middle of a job search right now, I'm finding it really hard to take the view that I want, which is, yeah. I need money to live. I have skills that I can use to find a job that is not miserable, that allows me to, to bring at least just a, a piece of my soul to it. That will allow me to be freer with my work, not put so much pressure on it constantly. When I have had resources and, you know, been out of depressions is when I've been productive. So having those resources, you know, it's very likely I'll be, end up making more when I find a job. But it's still hard to adapt that thinking because I'm still going, well, but this is, uh, this is given up. This is, you've, uh, You've lost, man. Your, your friends are show running. Forget a couple of years ago when they were just writing on TV, acting on TV. Now they're like running other people's shows. They're like pitching their own things. They're, they're getting the names that you wanted. And it's, and it's tough for life not to turn out like you thought it would. When you see your peers' lives turning out like you thought yours would. So it's not only like, well, you know, life doesn't turn out like you thought, which I know is true actually for probably 100, I'll say 99.5% of people. There's some people who have success early on and it somehow it stays and you read interviews with them and their advice is fucking terrible. And it's like, why are you taking advice from someone who hit it when they were 16 or eight and, and, and you think they know about the struggle, you know, they know, they know about hard work maybe, but not about this specific kind of struggle. And so, so other than those people, I think life doesn't turn out like most of us thought. For me, it was, it was, I always imagined being on a couch on a late night show and being so charming. I imagined how my name would get, would get announced in the, in the credits beforehand. Would I, would I assume some new, uh, would I go by my full name? Would I assume some new, like, uh, initials? You know, would I be DP for Philip? DP Mar instead of Dave? Would I go by David? You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, and, and, and being in photo shoots and features. And it's like, thank God that 
my drive to actually create is, is the bigger motivator for me. Cause if those things were the only motivators, I would be in a much worse life. Not turning out like I thought would, would twist me up way more than it does, which is hard to imagine because it, it fucks me up right now. Still. And I go, I go through periods of, of being okay and, and recognizing that what's important is, is the here and the now. Like when I woke up from my coma, and I'm sorry if I've said any of this before on the podcast, you know, I was, I was reading a newsletter that I normally, that I read every week called Subtle Maneuvers by Mason Curry. He wrote a book about people's, um, creative people's rituals called daily rituals, I think. And, um, he was talking about, about, this is where, this is where that second booster is coming in. Let me grab a sip of uh, Gatorade here for a second. Oh, okay. The lime, lime cucumber Gatorade zero, baby. So, um, I heard that, I heard that, that tongue click. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe I won't be able to, to fix it. I'm doing my best. Okay, Sam. But I, uh, was reading subtle maneuvers. People were talking about, uh, perfectionism and getting started and their own, creativity and, and where it, um, can go. I'm stalling here. Cause I'm, cause I'm trying to actually remember what the fuck I was talking about. I don't know. I don't know, man. Life not turning out like you thought. Going through phases. That's what it is. I'm not going to cut that out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry to do the, to do the thing. I, I, I hate when I listen to podcasts and people are doing, I, I like certain meta commentary. I don't love other meta commentary, but turns out it's hard to avoid sometimes, at least for me. Anyway. In this newsletter, he was talking about how he was quoting some artists talking about how, uh, you know, most artists, if you're a good artist, you, you have like one story to tell. And, and if you're a great artist, maybe you have two. And, and the, the point is that story just as you, as you retell it in various different ways and different forms and different media and different works gets deepened over time. And so that's my pretentious way of saying, um, sorry if I've said this before on the podcast, <laughs> but the thing that I was not sure if I'd said before was when I woke up from the coma, I wanted three things. Everything felt simpler, right? I was aware of what was important and it, and we're all intellectually aware that like family relationships are more important than accomplishments. I think, I think that's just true. Um, unless your accomplishments are making the world tangibly better for people, which is another kind of relationship. And I mean, really tangibly better. I don't mean like, Oh, I contributed to like a flying car. No, I'm talking about like you built some wells or some shit like that. Anyway, the three things that I wanted when I woke up from the coma were, a a loving relationship with a romantic partner i wanted to to kill it in my ability to create meaning not make it i just in every opportunity when i got to perform i wanted to perform to the best of my ability 
And then I wanted steady income that allowed me to be comfortable. And those last two things didn't have to overlap. And then people adjust. People forget the lessons that they've learned before and before that and before that and go back to being ungrateful or getting used to certain things. And that, that's been the case for me, you know, like as I've gotten closer sometimes to making my living just from doing comedy, just from writing, teaching, whatever it is, you know, I'm not too picky. As I've gotten closer to that, it started to feel like an essential for success. And I guess, I guess that's what I'm talking about is defining success. And I want to go on a tiny detour here, hopefully very tiny, because as 2020 happened, the pandemic, which led to me recognizing that my type one diabetes is a, is a disability, learning more about the diabetes community, the disability community, disability justice, all that stuff, and then being radicalized far to the political left by the, the stuff I was seeing, specifically the police killings that were happening in 2020 and continue to happen. Um, I've, I've been reawakened and, and I'm reading the, the, the book I quoted at the beginning of the episode last week is, uh, Lorenzo Camboa Irvin. What is it? Anarchism and the Black Revolution, Black Anarchism. And I think it's Anarchism and the Black Revolution. I'm reading books about anarchism, you know, and I'm like, and I'm talking about like prison abolition with my chest. You know, I'm not, it's, it's important to me. It's not important to me that if you're listening, you believe the same way I believe. It's important to me that you are open, that you hear where I'm coming from. It's important to me that I don't think I'm in a bubble, but I'm not like apologizing, you know, I'm not changing what I'm saying for potential employers who could be downloading my podcast. I don't know. I, I think that'd be kind of a waste of time, but I think people do that kind of stuff now. But, but I've been getting less commercial basically like it, it all, I always try to avoid it sounding like sour grapes, but as fun as it was to be on set for those two days for the bear it, TV is, is it's really not my goal. If, if I could have shows in places in various places, spread out fun, exciting, mischievous, playful, sincere, connected live shows, that would be the fucking dream. And, uh, and, having the podcast is, is part of that. So, so the, the detour is just, why am I even, why do I even think that making my money from this shit that's getting more and more, uh, I'm not just, I'm not just at a point where creatively I'm like, why don't people understand the, the thing I do, which is a point I've been at in the past. I'm also like, you know, why don't people want to throw money at the thing that, talks about how we should burn everything down and uh, start over and uh, prioritize taking care of each other over all the other values of American society. It's like, it's obvious, dude. Like n people aren't stoked to, uh, to work with the coma guy who's become the uh, prison abolitionist. But the thing I come, I come back to is, um, quitting. Like, okay, a hundred episodes in, booking is hard. You're feeling like a failure in some ways from having to put so much energy into a job search. And a job search is one of those things like a breakup where when it happens, you become so boring because it's all you can think about and talk about. That's just that constantly. So in the midst of all that, I'm like, well, what? 
quit. And I, and I decided years ago, no, I'm not going to quit. If if I could have quit, I would have done it a while ago. You know, sometimes I worry that I'm too attached to misery, that I'm consigned to, or or the habits of of jealousy and comparison and and those things are are too deeply rooted. But I'm not going to quit. So the so that is the the challenge now is. Okay, if you're not going to quit, how do you let go of those negative attitude habits, negative habits of attitude? Because the a part of the reason I say I'm not going to quit, one of my favorite poets is Rainer Maria Rilke, German guy, wrote this great book called Letters to a Young Poet that many people swear by in terms of creativity tomes can't recommend it highly enough. And there's this young poet that's asking Rilke, you know, what should I do if my poems aren't marketable? If my, you know, should I, should I just give this up for something else? And, and Rilke says to him, he's like, you have to go deep into your, you know, preferably, I'm paraphrasing here, but like preferably late at night in a still silent moment, just sit in the dark and kind of drop a line down to your soul and just ask a simple question. Must I write? And if the answer is no, then that's fine. Take that answer. Take that no to the bank and do something else. But if the answer is yes, then you have to bend your whole life to that impulse. And that brings me back to this not having a plan B thing. Because I know I have to create. I know I have to write and perform. I know I have to do what for me I call comedy right now. That's how you know a comedian's good is when he says, uh, "Yeah, what, what do I do? Well, I call it comedy. Solid five stars. We're going to go to that show. But so, so I, I agree with that advice. I know, must I write? Well, what writing is for me? I mean, which in a lot of cases is literally writing. Yes. The answer is yes. So time to bend things to that, to that directive. And I was going to actually say that it, that it feels like Rilke is also saying, don't have a plan B then. But maybe, maybe if I'm twisting it, I'm twisting it. So be it. But maybe what he's saying is plan B or not, just make sure you can write. If, if having a job helps you write, who cares where you're, where you're making the, the money? Who cares at what level of obscurity you're doing the thing? You, you want to do the thing. So that's, what you're doing. Um, that's what, that's what I want to believe anyway. And, and I come across more and more. I feel like I've been coming across ideas that I want to believe. And so the question for me is just how, how do I believe that? So I'm going to do another quote here. This is from Austin Cleon, who is a, um, a, uh, well, he, he says it in this quote, but he's talking about kind of process versus product, uh, about that, you know, life not ending up like you thought it would, focusing on what you can control, letting go of the rest. And here's what he says. It's really important for people when they're starting out to think about their verbs instead of their nouns. This is one of the things I am really, really adamant about. If you say you want to be a novelist, that's fine, but you'll have an idea of what a novelist does and you'll try to do that. Whereas if you just say, I want to write stories, that is more open. You might end up a screenwriter. You might end up a copywriter for an insurance company. Whatever it is, if you just like to write and put stories together, that keeps things open in a way that a certain particular noun doesn't. 
And so you stay open to things. You might end up a podcaster. You might end up a filmmaker. You might be a teacher. In my case, you end up a self-help writer, which I never anticipated. We're writers. Words have meaning. If you get the wrong words, it encourages the wrong kind of action. So you just have to be really careful. This is on a, a podcast. I'll, uh, I'll link it in the, in the show notes. Eddie said that, but to be honest, I didn't listen to the podcast. I, I took this from the, uh, the webpage that, that included this excerpt on it. And I've been thinking about this idea of verbs versus nouns because it, it relates to motivation for me. And, and what I continually, a lesson that I continually have to learn over and over is, is, um, there's, a, there's another sort of creativity guy, also like kind of unfortunately like a marketing guru type who, uh, Seth Godin, who talks about, um, he talks about motivation, but what he's, he calls it fuel. So like, what kind of fuel are you burning? Jealousy? That is a fuel. That can fuel you. Um, but, but for me, it's not a very clean fuel. Comparison, self-loathing, um, measurement by standards, you know, to be like, you're a 37 year old dude in your 20th year in a city you never thought you would be in for more than five years after graduating from college. You don't own anything. You haven't achieved anywhere near the kind of notoriety you thought you might and you wanted. You're, you're barely even, you're struggling to be financially solvent. Get a fucking grip, dude. Like it's over. You're a loser. You know, like that's not good fuel for me. That doesn't work. It's very tempting, but it's not, it's, it's the having decided I'm not going to quit. This is now the struggle. How sway. And so I, I did make a list of some, and, and, and that Austin Kleon thing is one of those truths that I've been like, okay, I want to believe this. I want to believe this. And, and I'm like, what, what is my verb? Do I have just one? Um, and so, so I, I kind of like brainstormed the other day. Here are a couple, here are a couple that I maybe came up with. I'm still not, I'd like to narrow this down just to give myself as a, as an exercise, but, um, one of them is create, uh, facilitate conversations, connect, entertain, Build worlds, uh, comfort, provoke. Yeah, these are these are a few of mine, my verbs, and it's really important. <clears throat> excuse me, it's really important for me to to do that mental exercise to fi to find a verb. I'll say one verb. I'll say to narrow it down to one verb because. Otherwise, that stuff about the late night show, that's the noun. That is thinking, oh man, where, where can I, uh, where can I go from here? Uh, how can I, how can I live that life? How can I be in that magazine spread? It's like that has nothing to do with the thing that, as I said, is more important to me. You know, when I woke up from the coma, it was kill it, not make it. So how can I, how can I continually refresh that, that mindset for myself? Maybe it's a meditation practice. I don't know. So with that, I am going to play this, uh, this voicemail that someone left. Again, if you want to leave a voicemail for the show, it's 313-MISSED-URA, 313-647-8872. That's the number. Um, okay. Wow. I just, I just, I just, as I'm opening this up, 
uh, got another, uh, got another, um, voicemail. So we'll, we'll play that later too. Um, that's, this is not, that's not planned. That's a real discovery that just happened, but okay, let's go to, um, let's go to this, this voicemail that I got. Hey, what's up? Uh, Dave, big fan. Um, I'll cut to the quick. Um, so I've spent my whole life, uh, avoiding things that I know I don't want. And only recently have I realized that I don't know how to want. And also life hasn't turned out the way I'd planned it. So I'm kind of put in this weird position where now I have to change some gears, but I also don't know how to, uh, steered it in the direction that I would want to go in. Uh, I do not know how to want things because, you know, they're always accompanied with, oh, be careful what you wish for. And so I don't wish for things. Uh, how do you go about letting yourself feel that, A, you're good enough to uh, receive the things you desire, and, B, how do you go about choosing what's good for you? Just thoughts on that. All right, bro. Peace. Okay. So first, first, I'm, I'm going to take this in parts. I didn't expect to be giving advice in this, and, and I'm going to try not to give advice, actually. But I do, I do have some questions, and I have, I have some thoughts. So the the here, here's my question about this this dichotomy of you know, I don't, I don't know what I actually want because I've spent all my time focusing on what I don't want. Okay. But you also said life hasn't turned out the way I planned. So that to me implies some wants at some point. So what were those wants? What, what, or what were those plans? Forget about wants, right? Just, just focusing on plans. What were the plans you made? And is there anything salvageable about those plans? Even like inclinations, even preferences of yourself? You know, oh, I plan to drive a school bus, but, you know, for whatever reason, I couldn't get my CDL. You know, let's say it's that simple, which I know it's not. But, okay, what about, you know, why did you... Did you plan to drive a school bus purely out of obligation? Were all your plans just purely, oh, my parents always expected me to do this. Oh, my community says that. I don't know. So so if there's anything in those plans, I'd be really curious if that pointed you in a direction to steer in. Also, um, what's her name? She wrote uh, Big Magic, Liz Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert. She also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. But fuck it, man. Big Magic, great book on creativity. And she talks about following your curiosity, like fuck following your bliss, just like and putting zero pressure on it and just being like, what, what's something you consider in a, in a day and, and where does it go? Uh, and she talks about being curious about the plants outside her her house and the journey that that took her on. But it doesn't always have to be a big journey. And th- that is something, you know, my first one-man show was so focused on just telling the story of this coma. And then the second show started to get more abstract. And I loved doing that research. That research was fun because it was just like, what is this weird piece of art? What's this thing about a pigeon? You know, and and that changing what I wanted as it went. And that's the thing about sour grapes and this thing about like, oh, I don't want to be on TV. It's like, <laughs> and and trust me, I'm I'm talking to a voice in my head. So if you're like, yo, dude, I believe you, Dave. I'm not. I'm not in your face about any of this. I trust that what you say you want is what you want. 
To you, I say, thank you. I appreciate that. But there is someone in my head who does not trust that. And to him, I am saying that journey of having new things change the direction of where you want to go. That's what makes things not sour grapes is you're like, oh, you know, not all of us have to value the same one thing, a specific amount of money, celebrity, sex, love, uh, you know, fame, whatever. Uh, people can value different things. So anyway, um, this, this careful what you wish for thing, man, sounds fucking brutal. I, I hate that for you. I say fuck, fuck that entirely. Careful what you wish for. I mean, I remember in high school reading in the yearbook, this English teacher that I now look back on and I'm like, why did I dislike? I think she yelled at me in the, in the hall one time for having fun. So I decided I disliked her the rest of my high school career. But in, in the, you know, yearbook or something, she said her advice to the graduating class was take calculated risks. And I was like, ugh, like calculated, like give me a fucking break. What about just take risks? Is that okay? Would that work? But then, you know, that led me into a decade or more of active addiction and put myself into a coma. So maybe I'm not the right person to, to ask about that. Oh, man. In terms of, okay, in terms of the last part about thinking you're good enough. I mean, are we talking about like spiritually, morally, just as a person? Because uh, that sounds like therapy or getting getting feedback from friends or or finding some way somehow to go easy on yourself, you know? And I know that's the thing you're asking. How do you go easy on yourself? Well, you go easy on yourself. But if it's about if it's about skill in a certain area, which now that I think about it, it's probably not because it's like if you don't know what direction you want to go in, you're 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 probably not like oh, do I have the the manual dexterity to do juggling because you don't even know if you want to do juggling. Um, it helps have people. It helps have people, man. I mean, going to twelve step meetings helpful for me. Helps have people you can kind of embarrassingly ask for some validation sometimes. Like, am I a piece of shit? Do you love me? Am I good? Why am I good again? You know? <sighs> Is that helpful? Man, this would be this would be great if I just asked people to leave voicemails and I just biff them. I just ask people to call in and I'm like, uh, you know, thanks for leaving a voicemail. Good luck. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've got there. I, I say, I say, follow your curiosity. I say, just, just lay off the gas entirely, man. If I'm talking to myself, I'm saying, believe the things you want to believe. You want to believe that it's true, that process is more important than product. You want to believe that fame is not success. You want to believe that money is not success. You want to believe that the, the creativity is more important than the specific context of making a living from it at every point in your life. I'm talking to myself. And the answer is yes. Those are the things I want to believe. Then just believe those things. Or you can even do the thing of like, okay, what would I do? It's act as if, but it's like really specific act as if. What time would I wake up in the morning? What would I fill my day with if I believed those things? <sighs> in some ways, I feel like my my issue is kind of the opposite of this. Is like knowing the thing you want to do and just clinging so fucking tightly to it. But let's uh, let's listen to this other. That's other message. I'm, ex I'm excited to hear this one. Hola, hola. This is Oscar Sanchez. Mandando saludos a Dave. Um, I want to say that I love you, my friend. And want to leave you with a thought. 
The thought is this. If, and only if, you are able to have one of these things, what would it be? Would you rather be able to have an unlimited supply of water or an unlimited supply of air? Now I'm just kidding, bro. If you could have the best birthday party ever, who would be there? What would be the theme? And what kind of cake you getting? Love you. Bye. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well that's uh that's Oscar Sanchez, uh former former guest. <laughs> so fucking weird. Um man. Unlimited water, unlimited air. Maybe this is, I mean, I know that wasn't a real question, but I, I, I'm going to be tricky and say water because can't you, couldn't you do some chemical shit? There's oxygen in there. You could, maybe you're not getting air, but you're getting oxygen. You could extract some of that out. So bam, water, bro. Beat you. Uh, best birthday party ever. Who would be there? What would be the theme? What kind of cake? Uh, theme. Okay. Actually, I know the answer to this. The birthday party I want is a Survivor-themed birthday party that involves playing Capture the Flag. That would have to be one of the challenges, probably the main physical challenge, in McKinley Park in Chicago. I love that park. I think it's a great Capture the Flag park. That's what I want to do. Play Survivor, focus mostly on the social skills, make sure it doesn't go on forever. We're not having a million tribal councils. Some element of like werewolves or mafia or something, but that's a little fairer. Maybe uh, allows you to rely on yourself more than just an identity you're given from a card. And it involves capture the flag in McKinley park. Uh kind of cake, ice, ice cream cake, man. I don't need cake. I, I, I'm, I'm over a lot of these like binary, like cake or pie, but like, give me pie. You know, if you like cake, great, but give me pie or just give me an ice cream cake. Uh, I don't need that much chocolate. Give me vanilla. Give me like a mint. Give me like a Haagen-Dazs mint chip ice cream cake. That's what I've been fucking with recently. Who would be there? <sighs> my lady, my cat. All, all my best friends from every point of my life, the, the pastor's kid, the, uh, the college guy in the youth group when I was in high school, uh, the handful of college best friends, uh, roommates, collaborators, comedian pals, uh, not, not a lot of stand-ups. I love stand-up as an art form, but the uh as I as I mentioned in the solo episode I did, the uh you know, the unknown is our only hope is the name of that episode. Stand-ups haven't uh, you know it might not be personal, but stand-ups haven't done super right by me. It's it's not my it's not my favorite social scene to be a part of. Many individuals accepted. So anyway. That's it. Um, I wish I knew what Oscar said at the beginning of that message. But that was that was a nice left turn. I will end right now talking about, oh man, a, a believe the things you want to believe, right? This is something that I want to believe. And this is the thing that I struggle with mightily to believe. And a lot of these things, these advice, like Austin Kleon is saying, like when you're first starting out, I'm not first starting out, you know, it's just easy to feel that way because sometimes it feels like people give as much of a shit as, as they did when I was first starting out, but that's not fair. I didn't have people calling up on a voicemail saying big fan to me. So fuck me. That's, that's, that's not a good, it's not a good vibe. And I, and I don't mean like, I don't, I don't put some giant, uh, 
pedestal between myself and a fan. I tell peers that I'm big fans of them all the time. I think it's a really cool thing to be like, you know, they're people who I like fine. But then it's like, Annie Donnelly, I'm a fucking fan, dude. I love that, you know? So that's cool. So and and to have people say that to me. I took a pause there because I was about to rush through it. But that is fucking cool. But here is a a quote from a rap writer that I like. A critic. Uh he's he t- he takes a very like left political perspective, very kind of righteous um writer. His name's Andre G. And he he was he in his most recent newsletter, he was writing about I read it, I read it a lot of newsletters. You should read mine. That's in the that's in the show notes. But he was talking about giving younger writers advice. And his main advice was just write, which is so frustrating. But I had someone I had someone ask me about performing the other day. And I was like trying to under it was it was a it was a weird uh, exchange with a with a person I didn't know, and I wasn't sure what they why they wanted to talk or how we knew each other, and and it was a weird messaging convo. And they were like, "Tell me about performing. I'm thinking about doing it." And I wanted to just be like, "Great, you'll learn everything you need to know. You're fine." And that's so frustrating to hear, but it really is true. But here's the thing: I'll say it. This quote from Andre G, and you'll hear why I'm frustrated with it. But I, but I want to believe it. So here it is. I've seen firsthand that if you focus on what enthralls you, refine your technique by reading and learning from others, and find your audience, you'll eventually get where you're supposed to be, though not necessarily where you want to be. So there's a lot I want to pick apart in that. I want to go and find your audience. Like That's just a toss-off. Give me a fucking break. Um, or like th- this is just a repeat of the advice of like, hey, focus on the art. Angel Batawid, when we when we talked, she talked about focusing on the music and everything else taking care of itself. And I'm like, that's easy for you to say when you're when you're living it. But what a, what does that mean? Take care of itself. It's like, you know, Angel Batawid lives a cool fucking life, but she still teaches music lessons and loves that too. So the things I want to focus on in this quote are that last part that where you're supposed to be is not necessarily where you want to be. And I want to focus on the fact that this makes me feel good to hear. And there have been times in my life where I've focused just on what enthralls me. And those have felt the best. Sometimes they even led to the most external success. But. But they definitely felt the best. And that's what I need more of in my life. Is. is better feeling is feeling good away from misery toward butter toward warmth, you know, acceptance, but like more than acceptance, like embrace excitement. And I said, I talked about in that, that unknown is our only hope episode about, how how big that is to have the unknown be there and allow us to really not know what's coming and how positive that can be. And I guess now what I'm saying is, is I'm struggling to stay there before the unknown becomes known or when what's become known is not great so far in some ways. So I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope we've connected in some way. 
I'm sure if you're listening at this point, we have. So thank you. It, it really means so much. Um, performing gives me sanity and it, and it really is devastating not to feel comfortable going out and really pursuing live performance opportunities as new variants happen. You know, I'm, 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 I'm less locked down than I've been in the past, but I'm still wary. And for, for me to be wary of doing a thing that is genuinely a pillar of my sanity, whew, it takes a toll. So I'm really, I do not take for granted you listening to this right now, whoever you are. Thank you. Until next week, remember, you are and I am. We all are a mist. If you believe and if you try, you can do anything. You can do miracles, things that seem impossible. You can do miracles, miracles. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.